0: We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Welcome, welcome to Kingdom Culture. We're so excited that you're here with us this morning. And, uh, you know, if you are new with us, we've kind of been in this series That was unintentional, called Target Practice. This series called Target Practice, that was kind of unintentional, and it it was born out of really diving into Romans chapter 12. We believe here in the power of the Word. We believe here in the infallibility of the Word. We believe here that God's Word is one of the greatest, it is the greatest framework to build our life from on the cornerstone of who Jesus is. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's given us the framing of the house is what what we are able to fill the rooms with because we understand the value of his word. I think we have so many people that are spouting spiritual stuff out there that are spiritually and biblically illiterate and that's why there's lots of things going on right now that seem to be a little wacky. Because we've missed the power of the truth of his word. And so we've been we've been camping out in Romans chapter 12 for for some time now. and uh, uh, we're going to continue there a little bit. So hope, hopefully you've been enjoying it. We kind of made it an official series now called Target Practice. So hopefully you've been enjoying it. but the reason why we've called it target practice is because life in relationship is basically practice aiming at the target of peace. How many want peace in their relationships? And we've been talking about relationships because we've been in this sort of theme since the beginning of the year of really investing into what it means to be a tighter community, relationally. And so we've been just on that track, and so we're going to stay there a little while longer because we believe there's value in this season, that God is speaking this into this season. God wants you to find community. He wants you to find your tribe. He wants you to have healthy relationships. You believe that. He wants you to have a healthy marriage. He wants you to have a healthy, uh, you know, best friend relationship. You know, family relationships. He, He wants you to have healthy relationships. And without peace, there's no health. And I'm not saying when I say peace, I'm not saying that there's no conflict. I'm not saying there's no, there's no uh, uh, fighting sometimes or arguing or, uh, or, I mean, in fact, if you don't have that, it's probably not a very deep one, deep relationship. If it's all good all the time, somebody's lying somewhere. (laughs) So really, in, in the context of relationship, our aim Is peace. Our target is peace. And I use this illustration just to kind of bring it back full circle over and over again so we have sort of a a precedent for this is that I remember years ago I was, when I was traveling and ministering in Indiana where I was staying I was uh, given this opportunity for the first time in my life to go um, clay pigeon shooting. You know what that is? Skeet shooting where they shoot the clay discs out into a field and you got like a 22 shotgun and you're shooting you're in double barrel shotgun and you're shooting these moving targets. Because peace in relationship can feel like a moving target. It's not so easy, right? I mean, I was saying to my my um, my son the other day, I think if I was I think if I was in some sort of military sort of vocation and I was overseas, I'd be the sniper. That's what I said. I think I, I just something about that, that planting yourself and like zoning in and just being like quiet, being straight. I love that. That mindset. But that's not how relationships are. That's not how relationships are. Relationships are like constantly moving and you got to move with it. Constantly moving. You can't just plant yourself and think you just lock in. You're constantly moving. I don't know a lot about sniping, but I am pretty sure that if the target is constantly moving, that sniper is going to have a hard time. You're dealing with wind, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff. So relationships is like a moving target. Aiming for peace is like a moving target. And we have these challenges that come our way to stop us, evil sometimes, division, betrayal That come our way, hurts, pains, all kinds of stuff that come our way to divide and overtake those relationships. I'm so thankful that I have, I feel like I have a richness of relationship. I, I know a lot of people around the world, but I wouldn't call all the people that I know, like, close relationship. You can't know deeply a lot of people. It's really hard. Try it. You'll fail somewhere. But you can know others in a smaller setting more deeply, and that's healthy. You know, I'm so thankful for the mentors, the advisors I have in my life, the, the best friends in my life, the, the, the leaders in my life, the people I have around my life, the people that, you know, have been with me through thick and thin, and I'm just so thankful for that. And, and you know, one of those individuals, is uh, it's his birthday today. His name is Matt Campbell. I just want to say happy birthday. Maybe we should sing. I don't know. You guys have a birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Matthew. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Yeah. A little Pentecostal handshake. You know what that is? Put some money in your hand and you. Happy birthday! And you drop a hundred. a hundred? You want a hundred? You want a twenty? Or a fifty? No, I just I just want to say happy birthday and I just, um, you were supposed to be here earlier and you left so I couldn't do this and now I'm like, it's in the middle of my message so I got to like... <laughs> but I just, you know, I, 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 I have a little bit of fear that I'm going to get emotional because I love this individual so much. And, uh, yeah. Ooh, there it is. I knew it was going to come. But I just am so thankful for this man. He has been there with us in the the hellish moments. And he's been there on the mountaintop moments. And you have to say he's one of the most reliable people that I know. One of the most consistent people that I know. One of the most loyal people that I know. And I'm just so thankful for you. And I'm so thankful that God brought you into my life. And I pray that this year would be like a year to remember that so many things that are in your heart, you would just see the beginning fruition of things that you've been wrestling for, things that you've been stepping out for, that this would be the year that you begin to see, like, those breadcrumbs that say, hey, like, I'm listening God is a good father to you and he's listening to all your prayers. And I just pray that this would be the year of the breadcrumbs where you begin to see, hey, this is the beginning in jesus name sometimes we have to go back to go forward and i feel like in a lot of lots of ways there's some s- prophetic symbolism of you coming back in this season to move forward sometimes we have to downgrade to upgrade if you know what i'm talking about i know you know what i'm talking about so i just pray that this year would be that year for you in jesus name and i love you man i really appreciate you Alright. Relationships, right? Can be emotional, right? Love can be hard, right? Loving is so hard, isn't it? Because real love is loving knowing that you may betray me. Loving is hard because it's loving knowing that you may reject me. That you may look like you or act like you love me on the outside, but on the inside you're you're secretly just strategizing how you can get out, right? Especially for people that have been hurt in the past, been betrayed, maybe it's like marriage, you know, spousal relationship type relationships. Like it can be really hard to love again. But real love always hopes for the best. Do you believe that? That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love hopes for the best, trusts in all things, always. Jesus loved Judas knowing Judas would betray him. Imagine this for a second. God's saying, I want you to love this individual and they're going to screw you out of a business deal, but love them anyways. I know you've probably never heard the word screw in church, but sorry. Imagine God saying to you, you're going to love them and they're going to totally betray your trust. The challenge and the test is, if you really truly love, you will love knowing what's going to happen. That's a hard thing. But that's the kind of eternal love that God has with us. God knows you're going to betray Him. Listen, God so loved you that He gave His only Son to die on a cross and resurrect to give you new life. Knowing that you would, in times of your life, walk away from Him, reject Him, forget about Him, throw His name in the trash, All because maybe you got hurt somewhere along the line by people. And somehow the people hurt blinded your perspective of who God is as lover. That's sad, but so many people live this out in their life. So we're talking today about target practice part three. And I want to continue on this journey of what it looks like to give us keys and tools, practical steps to To aim at this moving target called peace in relationship. So I would encourage you to take some notes. But I can't, I can't go back into this without reading the whole um, 11 verses of chapter 12 that I've been unpacking for the last, I think it's been four weeks now, skipping last week. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Track with me here. This is out of the... Uh, I believe it's the NIV, New Living, New International Version. Love must be sincere. The word is love must be without hidden agenda. Love must be without hidden motive. Love must be so legit, there's no ulterior reason why you're loving. That's what it means. An unhypocritical love, that's what it means. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. I don't think we hate enough what is evil today in society. We don't have to hate people. Listen, people aren't evil. There's evil that's trying to influence people. Our wrestle's never been been about people. You can read it in Ephesians chapter 6. Our wrestle's never been with people. It's always been with the spiritual stuff that's going on around people. That's what we're wrestling. It's like a shadow boxing match constantly. We're like Rocky, you know movie number 20. It just never ends. We're still in it. Like we're always boxing invisible realities that we don't see sometimes. And those invisible realities affect relationships, affect our peace, and we're called to overcome those things. Maybe you're in a situation right now, you're date, you're with someone right now, you came to church this morning, you're married, or maybe you're dating, and you're like thinking in your mind, okay, we need, this. we need this because we're, we're divided right now in some things. We don't agree. We're in conflict. We came to church this morning. We were fighting on the way to church. Now we feel a little bit of shame. Uh, how, how can we not be perfect coming into God's house? Listen, God does not demand your perfection. He expects your surrender. So when you feel like you're imperfect, this is the best place to be. Jesus picked a bunch of imperfects called the disciples. They were all the rejects of society, the weirdos, the wackos. He's like, I'm going to invest in you. No other rabbi's going to invest in you. I'm going to invest in you. I'll take you. I'll take your crop. I'll take your garbage. I'll take all the stuff, and I'll turn it into something amazing. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Listen to this in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is a big one, right? Like, think about that's how this applies in marriage. To honor the other above yourselves. That means when you have needs, think about their needs first. That's hard, right? That's selfless. Selfless is hard, isn't it? Nobody? No, it's easy. I'm the only one that's, I feel like it's hard. I, I feel it's hard for me. It can be hard at times. Never listen to this in verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, passion. The word is keep it hot. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Like make sure you keep your passion. Like think about how you started. Maybe there was a moment in your life when you were younger, you had this encounter with God and you were like were on, you would say, you were on fire for God. And then life took, came, came in. All of a sudden you had real, real responsibilities. You got to pay a cell phone bill. You moved out of your house. You got to pay real things. And somehow God got lost in all of that. You hung around some people that maybe were like, ah, oh, God's not real, you know, that was a bunch of emotion or whatever. Totally, totally tried to snatch the seed from your spirit. You lost your, your passion, your fire along the way. He says keep, because people do. Like, the reason why Paul is encouraging this in Romans chapter 12 to the believers in Rome, the reason why he's in saying all this is because it happens. People lose their passion. People lose their zeal. Verse 12, be joyful in hope. Everyone say joyful. I'm hoping you leave joyful after today. Be joyful in hope. This is where I'm going to zone in today. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse. So, you know, give good to those who give bad to you. That's what he's saying. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, share. Like, the, the word is share the burden. Of what someone else is carrying. If someone is going through a hard time, if you're a real friend, you'll carry it with them. That's what real friends do. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. That's a big one. That stops us from being selfless. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Except if you're watching, like, one of those Justice movies, then like, get him. You know, that's how I think, you know. It's the one area where I can feel like it's okay, you know. (laughs) Like, beat him. I'm like, man. No. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be an example. If it is possible, listen to this, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't wait for someone else to ask you for forgiveness. Like, be the better man, be the better woman, as far as it depends on you. You do you. Let God deal with them. So many people are like, well, I'm going to wait till they call me. You don't know what they did to me. They got to call me. They got to email me. That's a really low-level, immature way of aiming for peace in relationship. You be the leader. You be the example. As far as it depends on you, if you have a way and an ability to pursue peace in a relationship, do it. Don't wait for someone else to do it to you. Well, you don't know what they did. I don't. And I'm sorry for whatever happened. But at some point, you have to choose, am I going to stay bitter or am I going to get better? And I want to get better. So I'm going to choose the better road, the higher road. I'm going to pursue this individual. They don't deserve it. But that, you didn't either. You didn't deserve grace. The definition of grace is undeserved. It's grace. It's offered to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And yet God died on a cross. He gave you grace so you could know him. So we are to offer the same to others. I know this is speaking to somebody in the room. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord, on verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Be good. Be kind. In doing this, you'll kill them with kindness. This is the Sean Gaby translation here. The words, you'll keep burning coals on their head, but that's the only really aggressive way. It's like, you'll kill them with kindness. Do not be, listen to this, last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why is that important to see? Because the wrestle for the target of peace, to hit the target, is that evil is trying to overcome you. Constantly. Insecurities, jealousies, pride, selfishness, hurts that are undealt with. So we're diving in today, three more keys to aim for this target of peace. Number one, write this down, keeping the joy of expectation. Keeping the joy of expectation. The reason why I say that, I'm going to read this verse to you. This is the verse we're camping out. We're camping out in one verse today. In the short time that I have left. We're camping out in 1 verse, Romans chapter 12 verse 12. 1 verse. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We're going to we're going to break down those three sections and dive into what I believe are three more keys that help us aim for peace. Now, in this this word be joyful in hope. By the way, I'm going to teach today, so this is going to be a little more teachy. Be joyful in hope. This actually reads in the original manuscript, in hope rejoice. Hope is not the same thing as faith, and I'll get there in a second. In hope rejoice, because you need hope on the journey. Faith initiates the journey. Hope sustains you along the journey. So if God's given you like a a dream, you have a dream in life. Or let's just say you don't believe in God and you're in here and you came because someone invited you today. That's okay too. So say you don't believe in God or you do. You can put yourself in either category. You have a dream in life to do something. You have big vision. Once you set out and step out in faith, what you need is hope to keep you in the process to keep on going. What you needed to start off with to motivate and drive that hope was faith. We'll get there in a second. So, in the process, you need to be able to find joy because, man, there's highs and there's lows, right? The reason why in hope rejoice or be joyful in hope is because, in the process, you need to find joy. Now, this word for hope, let me just break it down for you real quick. It means expectation of what is sure or certain. So, to have an expectation, I have an expectation. I'm going there. I'm going to the end of the stage. I have an expectation that I'm gonna get to the end of the stage. But along the way, I might trip on this music stand and fall and really hurt myself. But I'm almost there. I have hope that somehow I'm gonna get back up again in from the low and make it to the other side. So in hope, while I'm on the ground down and I'm like down for the count, I see the end of the stage. Man, if I don't have some sort of joy, if I go into, like, darkness in my head, in my mind, I'm staying down. I'm staying down. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived in that time, said it like this. A man may stumble seven times. A righteous man may stumble seven times, but they get back up again. What makes you right is that you don't quit. What makes you righteous is that you keep getting back up into what God has called you to do and where he's called you to go. Despite how hard it feels being on the ground, have every, having every excuse to stay down and give in and give up. This word for joyful literally means this. It means to be favorably disposed to or leaning towards delighting in God's grace what it means. To delight in God's grace. So the word joy literally means to delight in God's grace. Because I'm delighting in God's grace I have joy. And if I'm on the ground and I'm trying to keep my hope, because I've lost my hopium, I'm trying to keep my hope, trying to get to the other side, the only thing that's going to help me get back up is to lean into God's grace. What is God's grace? It's undeserved favor to give me the power to overcome every obstacle that I may face. So if I'm on the ground, paralyzed, and I can't move, the only thing that's going to get me up is grace. So what do I do? I lean into his grace. Oh, man. Like, I feel the presence of God just as I'm sharing this. Like, I feel the wisdom of God in the room right now for you. Because some of you are down. You're down. You're not down for the count, but you're down. It's hard. It's hard. If you would just lean into God's grace in this season, you'll get the strength you need to get back up again and continue hope. To delight in God's grace. So I say keeping the joy of expectation because in expectation, you have to delight in God's grace. And that's the word for joy. To have joy in expectation. I kind of think about Christmas. Anybody who has kids in here, you know like Christmas time is a big deal. For many kids, right? They like get so excited. It's like 30 days or whatever, 24 days or 25 days before Christmas Day. It's like there is a joy in the expectation. They have a hope that on the day they're going to have an amazing experience and get whatever it is that they asked for, right? And I, I know that in this season with my kids, like I have four kids under the age of, of, of 14, 13, and I, I there's still this excite, excitement. But I don't know about you, and I kind of liken it to goals in life, Sometimes the day—I'm not saying the day is bad. The day is amazing, seeing the the look on my kid's face. But it's like there's almost sometimes more joy in the expectation leading up to the day, than there is on the day. Does that happen to anybody? I don't know. Maybe I'm just like—it's like you go. It's like then it's done, and it's like you kind of crash. It's like oh, we're done. Now what? Like no more expectation. You know what I mean? It's like I'm depressed. No, not depressed. But you know what I'm saying. It's like that with goals in life, how many people know people that had the dream to be on the billboard, had the dream to, to be on the, the top ten, you know, pop chart, or, or you know, top five businesses in, in Ottawa, you win all the awards, and you, you, you have this dream, you get there, and it's like, kind of disappointing. Because you thought you were going to feel something when you got there that you don't feel. But, man, wouldn't you agree that the feeling you felt on the way there actually was somewhat more exciting? You know why it's that way? Because God cares more about the process than He does the end results. God, that's the nature of God. You are part, you are literally likened to, you're linking with the nature of God there. Yes, He cares about the end result. Like, I'm not saying He doesn't care. But we're all about just getting the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, picking the crop. But God actually cares about what we learn along the journey to plant that crop, to till the ground, to prepare the crop so there can be a crop. And how many know before you get a crop, sometimes you got to lay some crap down. You need crap for the crop. And no one likes the crap part. But that's part of the process. And we learn something in that process that we don't learn when we harvest the crop. So the reason why sometimes it's like that is because that's the nature of God. But then we have, you know, Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this, hope deferred, hope deferred over and over again. You have hope and you keep falling. You keep falling. Now you're on your sixth time. You're on your seventh time. And you know that the righteous stand back up after the seventh time. But really it's just a, it's it's an illustration to give you an idea that you just keep getting back up over and over again. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. Disappointment, let's call it disappointment, makes the heart sick. How many have felt seasons of sickness like spiritually where you just had hope and it just got turned down over and over again? Your job application got didn't get it, got rejected over and over again. You got rejected on, I don't know the date. I almost said, I don't know if Tinder's a thing. I don't even know what Tinder. I know about Tinder, but I don't know if that's a bad thing. So like I, I don't even know. So I'm just saying. Whatever dating site you use, <laughs> gotta be careful, my mind works this way. I just I fire quick, right? So someone's gotta give me. Is Tinder a bad thing? I don't even know. Is it sketchy or I don't know? Anyways. Maybe you got rejected! <laughs> By 10, 20 Tinder invites. I don't know, okay? Correct me if I'm totally wrong right now. And you just feel like, nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So we know that like when a longing is actually fulfilled and we actually get the harvest, it's actually beautiful. It really is. But man, we have to move through some hope deficiency along the way. And some of us have felt held hostage to hope deferred. Like, like, hope, you know that hope, having hope in the process is one of the greatest things to build character. You want to know someone, you want to know the character of an individual, find out what they've been through in life, and see if they're still believing and standing. Because usually that proves character. It proves perseverance. Let's just read this and. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, verse 3, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice to, same tone, same writer, we can rejoice to when we run into problems and trials. What can we do? Rejoice. What can we do? Find joy. What can we do? Have joy, the joy of expectation. Because we're going to hit some trials, we're going to hit some hard stuff. What do I need? I need the ability to lean into God's grace. And when I do that, guess what? I'm rejoicing In the process. In hope I rejoice. He says, verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Continuing to hope when you want to give up is what's going to make you a big man, a big woman, in the Spirit. If you give up at every opportunity, if you keep quitting every little job because someone offended you at your job, you're not developing the perseverant type of character that you need to win in life. You cannot shelter yourself from trial. You cannot shelter yourself from tests and hard seasons. One of your greatest mentors, you know what it is? Is your season. Your season is mentoring you to be a better version of you. However you got there, maybe it was by choice, whatever, you could try to figure out, well, did God put me here? Well, that would be bad theology because I'm in a really bad season. Did, did life put me here? Did I put myself here? It doesn't matter. You don't try to figure that out. Just figure out what God's going to do while you're in it. Because he's so redemptive, he's so good, that he'll, ta- he'll take lemons and make lemonade every day of the week with it. He'll take what you discard and he'll make something great out of it. He'll even take compost and make great things out of it. That one was for Joel. Because I'm not a composter. <laughs> We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope. That word for hope, once again, it's the same definition, expectation of what is sure. Now, I want to say this because I told you I was going to kind of break down the difference between hope and faith. I remember six years ago, it was six years ago on June 16th, I had this dream and I believe, I'm a, I'm a big believer in how God speaks and communicates to us in dreams. I teach on this stuff, so I mean, this is one of the ways that God communicates. God communicates, by the way. Uh, how, what kind of relationship would there be without no communication? That wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be a relationship. That would be really awkward. Knowing somebody that never talked to you. The God that I know in the Bible is a God of communication. Everything that I'm sharing with you right now was his communication. When I read the scripture, that's his communication. But he speaks in so many other ways. And so I had this dream six years ago on June 16th and I was being served, I was at a bar, and I was being served two alcoholic drinks called faith and purpose. This is in my dream. One shot glass had faith, and one shot glass had purpose. And I had to drink these drinks in my dream, because in the dream, and I'll give you a little hint, if you Start to realize the importance of a dream while you're in the dream, and you're able to understand the dream while you're in the dream. It's a very important one. And in the dream, God will begin to speak to me in the dream, I need you to be under the influence of faith and purpose in this season. I need you to be intoxicated by faith and purpose. A faith that comes from me and a purpose that's designed by me. This is what you need in the season. And the reason why I share that is because if you don't have faith and purpose, there's no need for Pope. There's no need for hope. Because hope is in the middle. We have the purpose. I'm going to get to the end of the stage. It takes, me ha- it takes me having faith to get out of the boat that I'm in and begin to walk on the water. And while I'm walking on the water towards the end of the stage, I need the hope to sustain me. Paul said it like this. three things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. Without those things in our life, we'll miss it every time. So I need faith, and I need hope. Let me say it like this. Faith is the driver of hope. Faith is the driver of hope. Now, I'm going to, and I I would say it like this too, like faith keeps hope alive. If you don't have faith, you're not going to have hope. Faith directs our Hope. Let me read it like this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Are you guys okay? Hebrews 11, chapter 1, or 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, the word faith is the word pistis in the Greek language. Everyone say pistis. Next time, you know, you have a hard season to say, I'm pistis at you, because you're going to walk in faith. You're pissing me off. I'm going to walk in faith. Some of you are like, man, this guy says a lot of weird things in church. But I'm just saying the word, like this, the word pistis. Take it up with management. I'm sorry. The word pistis means, broken down, literally means this. God's divine persuasion. Biblical faith is not, I just choose one day to believe. That's not faith. Real biblical faith is a faith that comes from God that so divinely persuades me for the journey that now what I need after is the hope to sustain me. I need faith, hope, and love. If I have those in check, man, I'm getting to the end of that stage. Because along the way, while I'm in hope and somebody betrays me, guess what I need the most? I need some love. I need to love you. You just walked by me. I was on the stage. I was paralyzed. You didn't give me a hand to pull me up. I don't like you, but I have to love you. We need love, faith, hope, and love. So here we have verse 1, chapter 11. Now faith, God's divine persuasion, is the substance. Everyone would say substance. Faith, okay, is the substance. Let's say it's the driver. That word substance is the word hypostasis. And it means the st- it means and I'll picture the illustration like this like an umbrella standing under an umbrella, protected by all the elements in the environment. The umbrella represents the guaranteed warranty claim that you have, or the guaranteed agreement that God has made to you to make sure you get to the end of the stage. You get to your purpose. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the driver, is the umbrella of things hoped for to get to the other side. It's the standing other, uh, the un, uh, standing under. It's the, the word actually means God's guaranteed agreement. It could be it could be likened to like a warranty claim. Like I'm claiming my anybody bought a warranty, I'm claiming the warranty. You promised that this would last. You promised I would make it to the other side. So faith. Is literally the standing under of everything that I have hope for. Are you getting this this morning? I need this faith, a pistis faith, this umbrella of protection along the journey while I'm walking towards my goal. And if I fall guess what? I still have the, prote- I'm still under the protection. Even if I'm down for the count and the enemy's counting me out and the towel I feel is about to be thrown in, Guess what? I have the ability to stand back up because I have God's promise to get to the other side. Faith is a substance. It's the driver of hope. Faith is the gas pedal of hope. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I can break this down more for you, but for time, I'm not going to. Number two, write this down. Second key. Second key. We need to have patience in trial. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient. Everyone say in affliction. Say affliction. That just, it literally means this, it literally reads this, in tribulation, be patient. When you're in the, the hard time, when you're in the low, and you're in the middle, and you're needing hope, and you're in the middle, and it's really hard, just be patient. Anybody ever waited in a waiting room? Just be patient. Maybe four hours, but just wait. I had a few of those. Just wait. Maybe eight hours. Just wait. Be patient. Someone eventually will see you, even if it's tomorrow. Just wait. Be patient. In tribulation, when you feel like you're being, the word tribulation, or the word for affliction, it's the same word, means pressure, that constricts or rubs together, used of a narrow place that hems someone in. Or the feeling that there is no way of escape. Anybody ever felt that way before? You're under so much pressure, there's no, you feel, even though there is, there's no way of escape. I can't get out of this. Like, there's no way out. I'm stuck. Like, what am I going to do? I'm just stuck, constricted. This is really hard. What's the charge? What's the key? Be patient. Be patient. Because there's tribulation and trial in relationship. Be patient. Your spouse, your husband, your wife, your, your friend, your co-worker, your whoever, your dating relationship, your fiance, like, it's just not going the way that you would have hoped. If it's God, be patient. When you're in it, be patient and watch what God does. Watch what God does. I'm, I'm thankful, I have to say, and I still have many of these in my life. I'm thankful for the waiting rooms in my life. The, the areas where I'm still waiting. Where I'm having to be patient. I'm thankful for the hard times in my life where I had to be patient because that did it developed character and it kept my hopium up. It kept me on hope. I remember years ago, years ago, probably almost 20 years ago, I was in, in Stratford, Ontario, and we were ministering on the street, and I, I had this experience with God where he showed me this vision. I saw three giant uh, rings, three giant golden rings, and they all represented like a promise. And God said to me that these are the three rings that I promised the, the church, the body of Christ, like globally. He said the, the three rings, he said the first two, the, the church has an easy time embracing. The first one was the, the promise of blessing. Everybody can easily receive and believe that God wants to bless me. You know, like John 10.10, 10, like the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God has come to give you an abundant life. It's easy to believe that, that God has a good heart. He's kind. He wants to bless me. And then we have the promise. The second ring was the promise of, of purpose, or the promise of promise that I have a purpose for you. It's easy to believe that I have a destiny. It's easy to believe that I have, God has a plan for me. But he said to me, The third ring the church has a hard time embracing, and it's the promise of persecution. Let's just call that conflict. Let's call that pushback. Let's call that opposition. Let's call that division. Let's call that all kinds of darkness. The problem, the, the promise of persecution carries all of that, and the church has a hard time embracing that. And I just believe that it's in the third, that third promise, we learn. The nature of God in a way that we don't learn in any other way. When we're being under it, when we're under it, it's heavy and it's, we're being, going through it and people are, you know, wringing your neck, so to speak, spiritually speaking. You're going through it, man, like, to, to, to find God's peace in that and to aim for peace in that, there's no, there's no, there's, there's no better experience. To be able to live in peace and be in a storm, there's no better experience. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples in the boat when there was a storm. That you could live in peace while you're in the storm. That's why I was sleeping. Trying to get your attention, boys. But you missed it again. You can sleep in the storms because the kingdom is within you. Romans 8.25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Or the word is patience. I may not be able to see what's on the other side of that stage. But I am going to be patient along the journey. Because I have hope for what I do not see. For what's not tangible to me yet. So we have number one, we have the joy, keeping the joy of expectation. And number two, we have patience in trial. Number three, and this is the last point, we have never stop praying. He says it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. Communicate to me. You know what prayer is? It's communication. Prayer is not going through your laundry list of requests. That is a form of prayer, but that does not encapsulate all of prayer. If that's, if if your only communication is asking God for what you want, in some way you're treating God like a prostitute. Sorry for the language, but it's absolutely true. Give me what I want and then I'll kind of not think of you the rest of the week. Anybody in here? Now some of you are really offended by what I just said. I'm sorry. But we can't treat God that way. It's, c- prayer is a, is, a, is a constant communion with Him. And one of the ways we commune with, commune with Him is letting Him into our thought processes. Like to be with Him and think about Him and meditate on Him and think about how... That's one of the ways we communicate. It's not just with our words. It's not reading the Matthew 6 prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Which, by the way, half of the people who read that don't even really know what it means. They just were taught it at one point, and they read it like clockwork, and have no depth of understanding of the power of what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. So we repeat stuff that we hear without even knowing it. God wants your real communication, your genuine communication, your genuine affection. Are you hearing this this morning? This word literally means in prayer, be consistent. It doesn't mean that you have to be praying 24 hours a day and you can't do anything else. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't eat. You can't do anything. No. He's just saying, let me into all those areas of your life. Think about me. It's one of the ways we pray. He repeats himself in Romans chapter 12, being faithful in prayer, also in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 19, by saying this, rejoice always. Can I get that again, right? Have joy. Like, in every season of life, in every hard process of life, rejoice. Find, find grace. Be in joy when it's hard, when it's good, when it's hell, when it's heaven. Be in, 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 in grace. Be in joy. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. The word literally means without any unnecessary interval. That's what it means. To pray without any unnecessary interval. Bring me into every area of your life. In verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Then he closes it off. Do not quench the Spirit. Because when we don't include God in every area, guess what? We are actually quenching the Spirit in parts of our life. God can come with me to church, talk to me. But when I go to work, it's like, I don't even think about God. God's a 24-hour on tap father. You know that, right? Like, he's like with you. Like, he's omnipresent. Like, he's always with you. You can't escape him. You can't even pray prayers at dinner. Like, God be with our conversation. He's like, wait a minute. Am I not God omnipresent? I'm with you all the time when you're playing your dumb video game. I'm with you. I'm with you all the time. So, hey, include me. Include me in the video game. My son actually includes God in the video game process. I'm okay with that. I'm like, God, bring him in. Bring him in. So, make sure he tells you to stop. You stop because it's been a long time now. <laughs> but my son will bring him in. I'm like, Bri-. this is how we communicate with God. We bring God into everything. He's omnipresent. He's with your conversation. You know what you should say at dinner next time? Be like, God, I know you're here. And I'm a little freaked out because. I want to say this thing and I'm upset right now, but I know you're here. So God, help me to remember that you're here when I forget and do some stupid things. That's a better prayer. Never stop praying. I want you to stand up with me as we close here. I hope and I believe for many of you in this room for your relationships in this season. There are co-working relationships that are in fire right now in your life. There are spousal relationships that are under fire right now in your life, family relationships, people that you haven't talked to since COVID, since the greatest swear word that ever occurred in life, the word COVID, no one likes that word anymore, has come, you know. There are people you don't talk to in your life because, you know, maybe you did things differently. You didn't do what everybody wanted you to do. And there's divides and, and maybe you lost relationship. The word is, as far as it depends on you, aim for peace. I would encourage you to go back to some of those once good relationships. Like, why did that season have so much authority? Why did we allow the enemy to have so much authority to permanently mar and destroy relationships? Was the relationship not more important than an agreement on what we do and how we handle something that no one's ever experienced before? What's more important, when you go and you die and you get to heaven, you're not bringing, let me tell you, you're not bringing your mask with you. You're not bringing your vaccine with you. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying you're not bringing all the things that divided you with you. You're bringing the relationships with you. The people that you impacted. The people that you gave your life for. That's what's remembered. What legacy did you leave behind? And so I want to encourage you. There are people in this room that I'd say, hey, maybe it's a phone call this week. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a, you start praying for them because maybe you got fired because you didn't agree with some of the policies. Or maybe you willingly left. Or maybe family members don't talk to you anymore. Like, I don't know what it is for you, but I would say this. I would encourage you, as far as it depends on you, to make peace with everyone that is important to you. Be like, hey, I don't know, and I, I know I played a part in this, but I just, I want to make sure that I'm right in my heart. I don't need you to be right in your heart. I want to make sure that I'm right, that I feel at peace. I have a healthy, clear conscience. Why do you just close your eyes just for for a second. I just, I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, and I pray, and I'm believing that many of you here today, whether it's for the first time or multiple times, that, that You feel something different about this morning. You can feel God's wisdom speaking at you, speaking to you. He's the kindest person I've ever met. He's the kindest, most amazing, most loving Father. He is the most amazing individual. And just like we celebrated last week and every week, we wouldn't be able to have a relationship if Jesus did not die on a cross and resurrect again. He defines himself as different than every other small g God out there because he willingly died to set you free from you, to set you free from sin and death, but then was raised to new life to give you new life. Romans 10 says if you believe in your heart that Jesus was resurrected on the third day and you confess with your mouth that he is God, that he is Lord, man, there's going to be a metamorphosis on the inside of you. There's going to be a transformation on the inside of you. And I want to make sure I give everybody an opportunity every time we come in here to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm open. My heart is open. I don't know what this all means. I know for me at 18 years old, on the car, in the 417, by myself, I was a very angry individual, didn't believe that Jesus was the way. And Jesus visited me in my car. And I heard these words, I didn't see anything, but I heard these words, make a choice. And it was like in that moment, I can't explain to you what happened, but it was better than any drug I'd ever done. It felt better than anything I'd ever experienced and my eyes were opened and I knew it was Jesus speaking to me. And so I said, I'm in. I'm making the choice today. I'm letting you in. I don't know what this means, but I'm all in. If I'm going to be in, I'm going to be all in. I don't want to be a fence sitting guy. I want to be all in because if you're as real as you say you are, then you're a 24 hour God. You are on a Sunday, seven-day, only one day a week, God. You are an everyday God, 24 hours a day, every day. And I want you in my life because I know with you, I have the better version of me. And maybe that's you in this room right now. You've never said yes to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity. Yes, with every eye closed right now. It's a private thing right now between you and God. If that's you and you say, like, I want to come into a relationship today or I want to make it right with God. Maybe there was a time where you say you knew God, but you have walked away. I want to give you an opportunity just to say, hey, I'm surrendering today again. When you put your hand up, and I'm going to give you an opportunity in a second, just, it's simply, it's an outward sign of an inward surrender. That's all it is. If the police can make you do it, why can't God? Putting your hand up is simply saying, God, I surrender. I am, I am, it's an outward sign of an inward surrender. So if that's you in this room, I want to give you the opportunity just to boldly, without caring about what anybody thinks, if you want to make it right in your heart with God today and say, I'm letting you in. Maybe it's for the first time. I, w- I want a relationship with you. I don't want religion. I had religion. I tasted religion. I want a relationship. If that's you, just boldly stick your hand up real quick. Just keep, keep your eyes closed. Just That's awesome. Just keep your hand up. The best decision we ever make in your life is today. It's a turning point for you. Just boldly. Who cares? Listen, when you die... No one's going to be like, you cared about what that person thought and it had value. It had no value. It actually robbed you of value. Just keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. God sees it. God sees the heart. He sees the heart. That's what he cares about. I want us to all pray in this room together. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the way. I believe you're God. I want you in my life. I want a relationship with you. And I receive your forgiveness today. I believe you were raised from the dead to give me new life. So I'm stepping today in this spring season into new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that and you meant that, it's the best thing I believe you've ever done so far this year in 2023.